This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. Hey, you know, when we talk about bringing Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness uh, to our community and to our world, uh, we are very serious about that. And uh, as a demonstration of how serious we are, is we want to equip you. We want to give you tools so that you can be a part of that which you were created for. That you might be able to share that hope and that healing and that wholeness with those in the world that Jesus wants to reach. And the good news is that we get to be a part of it And as we're learning from our new series, we want to be a blessing. We want to bless others. And the Bless series highlights five missional practices that will better enable you and me to go out into the world where Jesus is and be a part of His work in transforming lives. Now, isn't that exciting? No, wait a minute. No, wait a minute. All right, now at least humor me. Say it like you mean it. Isn't that exciting? All right. My goodness, we had Mike up here and he was sharing about Jesus. And you know what? We get to be a part of that work. There are mics all around us. There may be mics in this sanctuary this morning, and we get to be a part of that life-transforming work. So, last week, you were given a handout. It was called BLESS. And the B stands for Begin in Prayer. Do you know that prayer is a core value of this church? Prayer isn't a part of the ministry. Prayer is the ministry. Everything we do is built on a foundation of prayer, and especially as we're participating in the work of Jesus in the world to bring hope, healing, and wholeness to the lives of people around us that desperately need His touch. Now, these are people who aren't lost. These are people who just don't know Jesus yet. All right? That's how I like to look at it. And we get to be a part of nudging them, nudging them to the Savior And one of the ways we do that is we begin with prayer. And uh, if you don't have this handout, there's some at the connection window. Pick one up. This will guide you through all that we're going to be doing the next several weeks uh, in our Blessed series. And it says, begin with prayer. Ask for people in your life who are far from God. Pray for them. Ask God, how do you want to use me to bless the people in my life? Now, as you go out into the welcome area, you'll notice on the mission board, there's a map. And the question is asking, how will you bless others? Right next to the map are little pins. And what we're asking everyone to do is just to begin by praying for your neighbors. As you step outside and you look across the street, pray for the people that live across the street. As you look to your left and your right, pray for the people who live on your left or your right. Or as you go for a walk in your neighborhood, be intentional about praying. Begin with prayer that God would open doors, that God would be getting their heart ready to hear the good news. 
maybe that God would open an opportunity for you to have a conversation with them. Okay? And you begin with prayer. So take a pen and just mark your neighborhood. Mark on the map the place where you're praying. And uh, what our hope is that we can look at that map. If you all put a pin right where you're living and right where you're praying, that we as a church will begin to see how God is moving in prayer in and through you as those who call Community Covenant your church home. Okay? Good stuff? All right. Now, today we want to talk about listening and listening with care. We want to listen. We want to pay attention to people around us. And as we listen, we want to listen to their dreams and to their pain. You see, those are things that we all have. And as we are intentional about listening, not just to people's words, but to people's hearts, we hear their dreams. We also hear their pain. And those are places that all human beings have in common. And it's there that we can enter into conversation. And in those conversations, again, in the power of the Holy Spirit, who is the ultimate counselor, the one who guides us, begin to look for opportunity to engage in conversation where we can be intentional about asking good questions, about listening to the story of their life, and about nudging them closer and closer to Jesus. Now, how many of you believe that a five-minute conversation in which you are primarily listening can change somebody's life, in fact, to the point that it could have eternal consequences? How many of you believe that you could change a person's life or be a part of the life-changing work of Jesus in a person's life in five minutes? Do you believe that? All right. Maybe some of you do, maybe some of you don't. I, I, I believe that. I was 12, 13 years old, and as you know, I had a very difficult home life. Things were pretty tumultuous when I was growing up. And I remember one afternoon I was riding my bicycle to the local Camellia Festival. It was every February in Southern California when the Camellia blossoms would bloom, the town uh, nearby called Temple City had a, a camellia festival. It's kind of like uh, our, our bear paw uh, festival here, okay? And I was riding my bike down the sidewalk and near the carnival, and I was looking at the rides and the boobs, and there stood a big green meanie. And you said, what's a big green meanie? Well, where I grew up, the sheriff's deputies used to wear green. And uh, they had uh, quite a reputation for being no-nonsense, kind of tough, in those days, guys, some gals. And we used to call them the big green meanies. And here was this sheriff's deputy. He was standing there, and he was looking, and his eye caught mine. And he said, come here. And I'm thinking, oh, no, what did I do now? All right? I don't even have a driver's license yet. I'm on my bicycle. And I came forward towards him, and he was anything other than what I expected. He asked me, how are you today? And I gave him that classic teenage answer, eh, fine. And he began to ask me a couple other questions. 
he not only listened to my words, but he began to listen for my heart, and he could tell that I wasn't fine, that my countenance, kind of my behavior, how I just conducted myself, um, there was something that was up. And uh, after he listened for a little bit, he handed me a tract. And on the tract, it said, alone, afraid, hopeless, all these words with question marks that described where I was at that moment. And he said, hey, my name and my number is on the back. I go to this church, and he invited me to a church that was probably maybe 10 miles from there. If you ever have the opportunity to go, please come. I held on to that track. And uh, during the 10-year period that followed, um, I made a public profession of faith in Jesus Christ. And uh, as I met the woman who was soon to be my wife, Lori, we began talking about what it meant to have a Christian home and a Christian family. And I said, the first thing we need to do as we start our engagement is to find a church that we can attend together. And I had that tract. And I said, I remember this sheriff's deputy that took five minutes and handed me this tract because he knew where I was that day. And maybe we can go to his church. I didn't even know if he was still there. So we showed up on a Sunday morning, and he had written his name on the back of the tract. His name was Gary Jones. And I stopped, and I talked to the usher, and I said, is there a Gary Jones that lives or that uh, attends here? And he says, oh, yeah, Gary Jones. Second service, front row. You'll recognize him. He's the one with all the kids around him. Well, what I didn't know is Gary had a ministry of evangelizing with his ears. And as a sheriff's deputy, he would stop kids like me, just inquire as to how they were doing and listen. And then he would hand them a track like he handed me and invite them to church, and that was it. But he had a ministry. And over the years, dozens of kids and many of their families came to faith in Jesus Christ because Gary would have these brief five-minute, ten-minute encounters where he gave his attention away to people who needed it. And so after the service, we looked, and there he was, sure enough, up front with a bunch of kids around him, and Lori and I waited our turn in, in line to greet him. And I walked up to him, and I reached out to shake his hand. I said, Gary, you may not remember me, but ten years ago you invited me to church. I'm sorry I'm late, but we thought we'd take you up on your offer. Okay? Now, here's the rest of the story. The reason I remembered him in that invitation to church is because at that time I was an applicant to become a sheriff's deputy with the L.A. County Sheriff's Department. I wanted to be a big green meanie too. All right? And as the Lord would have it, Gary and I would eventually become radio car partners, and we rode patrol together. And they used to call us the God Squad because you know what we'd do? What Gary had been doing all those years, I'd just join him in it. All right? Gary knew how to bless others. And Gary blessed me. Now, are you ready for more? Yeah. 
when uh, I began to kind of feel a draw towards vocational ministry, the very first church that I was ever on staff as a youth pastor was that very church. And guess who was my key volunteer in my youth staff? Gary Jones. Okay? Now, why do I tell you that story? I tell you the story because you and I can be a work, be a part of the work of bringing Christ's hope, healing, and wholeness to others by simply blessing them, by beginning with prayer, and by listening with care with what Gary did with me. You know what? I used to think I want to be more like Gary Jones, but really what Gary Jones was like was like Jesus. I want to be more like Jesus. How about you? Now, in John chapter 4, if you have your Bibles, you can open up to John chapter 4. We read about an encounter, a brief encounter, a Gary Jones encounter, all right, between Jesus and a Samaritan woman that we know as the woman at the well. Now, you remember the story. Jesus is traveling north back to Galilee. And rather than going through the customary way, he goes through a a shortcut, and that shortcut takes him through an area named Samaria. Okay? And you might recall going back in your Bible history, uh, during the time of Solomon, there was a divided kingdom. You had the northern kingdom, and you had the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom was known as Samaria. The... uh, uh, the southern kingdom was known as Judah. And the northern kingdom consisted of ten of the twelve tribes of Israel. And the southern kingdom consisted of two. Eventually, the Assyrians came. They conquered the northern kingdom. And most of the people were taken off into exile uh, into area that we know now as modern-day Iraq. Okay? And then later on, the Persians came and and, and they conquered the Assyrians, and so you kind of see what happens. But what happened, there was a remnant left in Samaria. But over the years, the people who had been Jewish intermarried, they connected with other cultures, they took on other religious practices and customs, and so the Jews looked at the Samaritans, okay, as kind of like Jewish half-breeds. They looked down on them. And there was strife between the peoples. So a Jew traveling north normally wouldn't go through Samaria. But Jesus with his disciples did that to take a shortcut to get to Galilee. And it's when they come into this Samaritan town, it's about noon, the sun is hot. Jesus sends his disciples off to get some food. They're going to rest from their journey. And there's a well. And as you begin to read in John chapter 4, starting in verse 6, it says that Jesus sat by the well to rest. And then comes a Samaritan woman. Now, women would come in groups, and they would draw water at the beginning of the day and the end of the day. But in this story, we see this Samaritan woman coming in the noonday. So that tells us something. And as we read on, we see that this woman is an outcast. This woman is living an immoral lifestyle. And in fact, 
She's separated from uh, the social life of her community. And as an outcast, she came for water during a time when there'd be no one else at the well. But there was Jesus. And Jesus sat there. And what we see about Jesus is several things that he did that help us understand how, how we can do the same thing. We can be imitators, even as Gary Jones was. Jesus initiated. He was present. He placed himself in the pathway of others, even if it meant going out of his way to do that. And that's exactly what he was doing. He put himself right in the pathway of this woman. And she came. And as he began, he asked her a question. He asked her for a drink. Now, again, that violated kind of just the social norms. Number one, a man wouldn't engage in a conversation with a woman other than his wife, let alone a teacher, a rabbi, with a woman who is, what, an outcast that's not pure, that is living a morally questionable, objectionable lifestyle. And so two things are going on here. Jesus puts himself in the place where he's going to be able to speak with her, but he goes ahead and he engages her. So he initiates and he engages. And what does he do when he engages? The same thing Gary Jones did with me. He gave his attention away. It costs nothing to give your attention away. And that's exactly what Jesus did. He asked a question. And the question was, would you give me a drink of water? And she was shocked. Well, why would you ask me, a Samaritan, a woman, for a drink of water? You're a Jew. I'm a Samaritan. Controversial, right? But Jesus did some controversial things in order to reach others. And so the question moves on, and what happens is, Jesus talks about what Mike said today, water that comes from a stream of living water from once she would drink, she'd never thirst again. And she goes, man, I want some of that water. Where do I find it? And Jesus identifies himself as the living water. And here's something that Jesus did really, really well and that we can do too. He not only asked good questions... He listened to both her words, but also to her heart. But then he connected earthly thoughts to heavenly realities. You see, he says, I am the living water. Now let me tell you what's really going on here. In Jewish custom, living water referred to uh, a spring. But more importantly, to something that was moving. Okay? Fresh, moving water as like a spring. And Jesus, by saying, I'm the living water, was implying that the water he's talking about and referring to himself is this fresh, moving water as in a flowing stream. Now, here's the point. Now, this woman is an outcast. This woman is, is, is living, right, a, a morally questionable and objectionable life. In Jewish religious custom, all the purification rites 
all the water that was used for cleansing and ceremonial washing and cleansing had to come from streams of living water. Had to come from water that was moving and flowing. You see that? The purest water was used in purification ritual. And so what Jesus is really saying to her is, I am the living water. I I am the one that can cleanse you. I am the one that can purify you. I am the one that can wash away your sin. Do you see that? And in doing so, he, He takes earthly thoughts and He connects them to spiritual, heavenly realities. And we can do the same thing. And then finally, as the conversation continues, it eventually concludes, and she runs off. She's thinking about all that's happening, and what does she begin to do? She begins to talk with others about this man that knows everything about her because Jesus asked her a question about her husband. And the truth was that she didn't just have one. She'd had several. And the person she was living with, in fact, wasn't her husband. And she was astounded that that he would know all these things. And so she runs off and she asks the question, could this be the Messiah? Could this be the promised one, the Savior of the world? And she goes and she begins to talk around the village. And eventually the people come to hear for themselves. They invite Jesus to stay for a couple more days, and he shares. And of course, we know the end of the story, don't we? That there are many in that village, in that town, to come to faith in Jesus Christ. So that's just kind of a, a synopsis of a story in John 4, 1 through 26, and then afterwards. Read that on your own. But here's what I want to tell you. It began with Jesus listening with care. It began with him evangelizing with his ears not just his mouth. It began with him listening to her dreams and to her pain, right? The same thing that we can do as we bless others. It began by by taking ordinary things like water and helping her see a heavenly application that applied to her life. It's kind of like the mystery box of his day. It's what we do with the kids, don't we? You put ordinary things in the mystery box, we make a heavenly application. Jesus did that with her. Gary Jones did that with me. And we can do that with others. But the last thing Jesus did is he gave her space. He didn't try to close a deal. He didn't try to put a notch uh, on his belt. Oh, another one, one for Jesus. Aren't I an effective evangelist? Right? Now, if the Holy Spirit had led him at that point, I'm sure he would have done that, but she needed space. She needed to think. And so he allowed her space for the Spirit of God to work in her life and come to the place where she did recognize who he was. Do you see that? All those things we can do. And then what's the end result? Because of an initial conversation in which Jesus put himself in the pathway of this lady, a whole village. Here's the good news, and many come to faith in Christ. 
because of a five-minute conversation at a park in Temple City. 33 years of ministry in which I've shared the gospel with people literally in different places around the world. And I am Gary Jones' legacy. Do you see that? What started with a 13-year-old kid in a park in Temple City continues to this day as I, as I share the good news with people. And many people have come to faith because of the good news. Because someone took the time to take five minutes and listen to me. Isn't that great? Here's the deal. All of us can be Gary Jones. All of us. When we come to communion, we're reminded of the night before Jesus was crucified. He shared a meal with his disciples and he took something as ordinary as bread, something common, something a part of their earthly experience. And he's going to make a heavenly, eternal application that we continue to make to this day. Now, he took the bread. And when he had taken it, he gave thanks and he broke it. And in his breaking the bread, he is foreshadowing what's about to happen in his life as he goes to the cross to suffer and die, to be broken for you and for me. And so he breaks bread. And by the way, if you are a broken person, Jesus is broken too. And he understands your brokenness. He understands your pain. He understands suffering. Okay? And it is the broken one, Jesus, who took bread and broke it to represent His own experience for us that calls us as broken people to His table so that we can be made whole. Whole people through His brokenness. And so He breaks the bread. And He said, This is My body which is broken for you. Whenever you eat this, eat this in remembrance of of me. Then he takes the cup and he gives thanks and he pours it out and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. For me. As often as you drink this, Drink this in remembrance of me. So that whenever we take the bread and we drink the cup, we declare Christ's death until he comes again. And you know what? He is coming again. Christ has died, Christ is risen. Christ is coming again. That is our certain hope.
That's our future. And so today, as we come to the table, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you are welcome to come. But as you come this morning, come expecting to encounter Him. Come with whatever it is that's on your heart. Come to Him because He's listening. He knows your dreams. He knows your pain. And He wants to meet you in those places. Jesus, the broken one, invites us to come to His table that we might experience His hope, His healing, in His wholeness. Let's pray. Father, we thank You this morning for this table. We thank You that Your Son models for us the the five missional priorities of, of beginning with prayer, of listening with care. And Father, this morning He is listening to each of us. He knows our dreams. He knows our pain. And He invites us to come with all of it to His table. A place where we are reminded that He was broken so that we can be made whole. Father, we come today expecting to encounter Him in real and life-giving ways. Would you bless all who come and may they taste today of a living water a water that will be poured into them and that you intend to be poured out of us all. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.